0: savannah soundings community radio with a global soul um our theme music is a clip of summer nights by the eric jones trio it's provided by our friend mark Chesneau, who plays with the eric jones trio every thursday and sunday at good times jazz bar downtown
1: Welcome! We were just listening to Pizza and & Wine, and now you have Arts on the Air with me, Tamara Garvey. And me, Melissa Taylor. <laughs> Welcome to our interview show where we talk to Savannah's local artists and musicians and novelists. Today we have Becca Cook. Welcome! Hi!
2: I'm so happy to have you! <laughs> Thank you! Yeah.
1: And guys, just to set the same Becca arrived with a decorated little travel suitcase stocked full of her amazing dolls yes they're
2: really cute (laughs) they're my doll friends have a little
1: show
0: and tell (laughs) yeah i Um, wish i wish this was not so much radio that y'all could see what's happening here but we'll post photos
1: um so becca description from your site it says you're a folk artist from the islands off the coast of savannah and your mediums include needlework doll crafting performance installation and painting Right. Um, so what islands do you mean that you're
2: from? Well I, li- well, I lived on Tybee for a long time. Now I live on Wilmington Island. Okay. But, I mean, I've, I kind of grew up all over. I travel a lot growing up. But this is the place I've been the longest. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So, and, I'm, and I've am i always been, like, a coastal person. I love the coast. I love going um, boating and shrimping and fishing and oh, all of those cool. things. So. Yeah. Do you have family here now? I don't. I'm kind of the only one. A lot of my family are also kind of spread out. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm kind of... Close to immigrants' status coming over, I'm like yeah. third generation. So, so your We don't have a lot of yeah, we don't have a lot of family here, but there are a few of us. <laughs> have a lot of places to go visit. <laughs> right. Yeah.
0: What What led
2: you to Savannah after your all your well, traveling? My, well, my mom um, met a guy that was from this area, and they got married, and they lived here for a while, and that was during my high school years. And so I kind of struck out on my own and. I found a good art community in Savannah. For sure, yeah. And and being a folk artist, you know, art was always just traditionally, as soon as I could hold something in my hand, like traditional work was put into yeah. them. So yeah. um, trying to fit that into the Savannah scene yeah. was a little, you know, a little dodgy at times, but I made <laughs> it, you know. Yeah. And, what and, year was it that you settled as an adult here? Um probably 2000, maybe 99,000. Okay. Yeah, it's
1: interesting to come as you're an artist and you came here for
2: the art scene but not specifically SCAD, Just know No. Eating. Um yeah, cuz I kind of like that was never an opportunity that was going to be for me yeah. cuz I just kind of come from a background where we didn't have a whole lot, so we just yeah. made do with what we had. And then also I'd already developed all of these skills and talents growing up and they're all really very traditional things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Dad's crochet i don't know what they teach <laughs>
1: yeah yeah did you so you learned from family members i did yeah crochet?
2: yeah um, my aunt, aunt goldie is a doll maker actually my great aunt goldie she was a doll maker as well so um, i just really was raised by these various eccentric, creative women and had a line of them and like i knew my great grandmother my great aunts so and like we all had this community and and art was everyday life yeah like yeah, we made everything. There wasn't like going to the store to buy stuff. That's not the oh, mentality actually, they had. Yeah. So we just like made everything. Mm-hmm. And yeah,
1: it's so, a bit like lots of just fabric things, curtains, right? And beds, Our clothes. And I used to get right. so
2: mad. My mom would make my clothes, and I'm like, why can't I shop at the mall <laughs> like everybody <laughs> yeah. else? You know, like it was like the worst. Yeah. yeah so, <laughs> so I experienced that. But it, it's just I think it's just the culture that I come from. You know, I come from a culture of this nomadic um, kind of Irish situation and then there was the potato famine and well genocide or whatever let's call it what it is and then they all came here and and the culture just kind of froze Mm -hmm. you know so even in the terms of if I go to Ireland my work is very old-fashioned because the community has got to continue to grow there yeah yeah. but here is just like survival and they just really held on to the um ways of doing things that they understood so
1: yeah but so your work yes. is spun off into this white,
0: like, oh, creative yeah. with these monsters, <laughs> and they're
2: colorful. It's they're like the, the techniques are traditional,
0: but what you're doing with them right. is, is very non-traditional. Right, yeah, I kind
2: of <laughs> took it outside okay. of its element, you know, because um, the the lace industry is not, like, a lot, you know, there's not a lot going on there. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you can only go so far. And also, I've just always been a creative person. That makes up stories and characters. Yeah, yeah. And that really translates into my work, I think. Can
1: you define? I think a lot of people don't do a lot of fiber work themselves. Can you, What what, would, what is needlework? What does that really mean?
2: So, needlework is just so, there's so many types of needlework to be done. And there's so many different types in different cultures how they do their needlework. But it's really predominantly, um, I, I guess it was always considered like domestic craft. Mm-hmm. Um, And it was just, these are the things that we would do for our homes, you know, to make tablecloths or whatever we needed. Mm -hmm. Um, But the needlework I I primarily work in is going to be crochet, which is a form of knot tying. Um, You know, there's, Knitting is a weaving. Okay. You know, and then there's, oh, okay. and then there's, uh, this is like needle wool felting. I know the radio can't see this, but I'm holding <laughs> up a, I'm holding like, up a doll torso. Yeah, right it's a thick, chunky wool. Right. As, yeah, but, it, yeah. but that's a, that technique is stabbing wool over and over again, and you're basically, wool is a Velcro, and it yeah. Velcros to itself, so I'm sculpting in wool for that kind of piece.
1: You pierce it, and it kind of grows, right? It yeah, like, it's like the, it the needle I
2: pierce it with is barbed. And so it just, like, creates... It pulls all the fibers together. So you can actually, like, feel that face. And it's, like, pretty hard, like... Yeah, yeah. it's Um, it's pretty firm,
0: yeah. I'm a knitter, and I've uh, had things felt on me accidentally. Oh, yeah.
2: (laughs) So that's
0: never good. That happens,
2: (laughs) for sure. Yeah, but, like, I know how to spin. And, like, when I was growing up, um, processing, like, carding the wool was, like, our... Well, actually, no, that was our second job. The first job was the grunt work. And you had to pick all of the pieces of plant material out of the wool first, yeah. but but it was just like a process because that's just how they would make stuff, you know? Yeah. For our home or for them for presents or whatever. Do you have
1: a spinning wheel? Is that something that people can don't, just
2: get? I You can get them. I don't have one because they take a lot of room, and I okay. I usually do smaller projects. So I just do a hand spindle.
0: Yeah, I was going to say yeah. there's smaller mm-hmm. uh, spindles that you can. Yeah. yeah and that's for yes. so yes. creating yarn. Yeah. Okay. Spinning, fiber
2: Spinning fiber into yarn. Into yarn. Into yarn. Yeah. Where do you like to go to get your materials? Uh, well, usually I kind of order some online. A lot of times, and I found this because it's after pandemic. <laughs> there were a lot of people that decided that they were going to crochet, and 2020 and 2021 was going to be the year they learned how yes. to crochet. <laughs> and um, and so I go on Etsy, and I know artists that are like, "Look, I just bought all of this yarn because I was I mentally lost it or I don't know, <laughs> and now I need to get rid of it, so I will buy like de-stashed boxes oh, of yeah, yarn, yeah. and yeah. I think that's better environmentally too because just kind of, of, of like, and yeah. Starlandia is another great resource to get used yarn. I will say, as anyone who who's
0: into like needlework and and using yarn um, knows that you don't ever buy yarn in small quantities. It's no. like it it. <laughs> It,
3: it becomes it a problem. Over. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. Do, you, do, you have a, do you work from
3: your home? Do
2: you have a home studio? <laughs> I, do. I do have a home studio. I have a home studio, and then I have a studio down by Forsyth Park. So, oh, okay, and um, that's, that's in the escape room. That is right? in the escape room. We yep. definitely want to talk to you about this. <laughs> yes, room. it's fun. <laughs> Let's do it. So yeah. you are.
1: So from your website, it said that you're like a, a manager at this uh, at Escape Savannah off uh-huh. Forsyth Park, and that you do theatrical game experience I do
2: so um story like again the core of myself is a storyteller and that comes from my grandmother hardcore because my grandmother was everything was a story you know and so I really got that and picked that up from her and um So ESCAPE was the same way, so we opened ESCAPE 10 years ago, and... Yeah, that was interesting. I didn't know it had been there that long. And nobody really knew what an ESCAPE room was then. And the people that I run it for, um, Lisa Arcos, she, she was like, well, let's just do it for Halloween and see how it goes. Well, I have never been to an escape room, I never knew what an escape room was, so happy accident happened is that I created an escape room that's very different than anybody else's ah, escape room. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Um, and it actually includes actors, we dress in costume, we make it fun, we so play, fun. And, yeah. and it's literally I go to work and I play with tourists all day long, and it's yeah. the best job, but We created, and it's also a place for a lot of artists and young artists that have come and worked, and it kind of became a place where they could collaborate. You know, being a young creative is very difficult in the world, and trying to figure out what what am I doing or what should I be doing, and so it's also been kind of a nest and a space for that to happen as well. I will say my, my husband and I very much enjoy
0: escape rooms, and so we have been to Escape Savannah, and it is very different from all the other ones we've been to because it's like they ha- there's there's a lot of like corporate escape rooms right. where they ha- and yeah. it's like you go and you, they they give you the you know this is this is the story that you're you're working through and then you never see anyone else that ever works there sometimes you'll hear a disembodied voice that it's like no no don't try that but it's like in in yours there's people actively in there and it's super cool like yeah and we have
2: stories yeah and and I I use actually there's a poem that I use that my grandma used to tell me before bed all the time and I use that (laughs) in the haunted room because it's because it's creepy because (laughs) (laughs) storytelling is not for some stories are really Yours are not for children. (laughs) Well they are though. Surprisingly they are, but it's like hmm, you know. It makes kids tough. (laughs) (laughs) You know, they came from the Victorian era. I don't know if Uh, they knew what they were doing with children, you know. Some of these stories. (laughs) (laughs) It's like Henry, go to the mill and work now. (laughs) You're just telling
1: stories of real-life Victorian children, basically. (laughs) I love that what you said that it's like um, a, a place for people to almost apprentice. Say that they're going to school or they're right. up and coming
2: mm-hmm. um, performance artist
1: yeah. or actor or doing uh, improv. And there's not a lot of places to get. There's it's like there's a lot of avenues for if you're doing painting or sculpture, photography. But if you want to do some kind of like performance art, it's there's, there's not, not a, a lot place to
2: test that out. Yeah, there's yeah. really not a lot. And I've done performance art in Savannah for a long time, and I will say um, more often than not. I, people just think I've lost my mind and, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. like, <laughs> it's just too much and so like I've done performance art in Miami and Atlanta where people kind of understand more mm-hmm. but I think tr- Savannah is like really traditional in the arts it has like a very kind of narrow scope um, because southern folk artists live here and it's a big thing you know but, it, but I think that I don't know, the whole art world is very confusing. I've worked in it for a long time and I still don't understand it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so.
1: When you say you've done performance art and people think you're crazy, do you mean, are you like in a space or are you kind of out? I'm picturing you like in Forsyth Park careening around. Well, sometimes
2: that. like that. Well, I did one performance piece at Sulphur a, a while back. It's been okay. a few years and it's um, I lived in this front space. This is before they were doing the um, oh, the Artists in Residence. They hadn't done anything like that yet. and. But I lived in that space while I was creating this piece, and it was, like, a very emotional piece, too, to be making. But I remember my friends at the Wormhole that night, like, going, is Becca sleeping? And Like, is she okay? Like, has she finally gone off the end, you know? Is 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 this your change? Yeah, that's
0: what I was going to say. I was reading about that piece on your website, and as someone who does, you know, knitting and crocheting, like, I was thinking to myself, like, how long that would take like the amount of like it's
2: just incredible Yeah. yeah it took a long time um i didn't of course i didn't make all the chains in two days yeah. Because it's impossible. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I've worked on, I think i worked on that project 11 months a total. A lot of time. Yeah. And can you, can, can you uh, define you were doing? Right. Journey? So I did I did one chain stitch for every person incarcerated in our country. Wow. And it's this, and I, and I created it in a way where people could walk through it. And it was like this silent forest of these white chains that were mm-hmm. and the like piles of them. and things? Yeah. And you walk through like the forest, it kind of was like a forest you walk through and and I had big piles of chains because they couldn't all hang on the ceiling because it was too many. Like how, how many stitches? Oh uh, mm-hmm. gosh, I'm drawing a blank. I feel like right I read now.
1: from your. Was it was something like twenty thousand? I want to say.
2: No, 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 no. It's two point 2. 2, 2, two million. Oh okay. Okay. yeah, yeah. So the way I had to, I had, there was a lot of math. I had to like see how many um, yards of skein was, mm-hmm. and the gauge of my hook, and how many. And then I had to multiply that, and now how many... Yeah, it was, it was really a lot of work, so... Um, so,
1: you, toward the end, you were kind of living in that space for three days, just
2: making pieces. Yeah, and I did it um, on... So people could go on YouTube and watch it at any time. I was under, like, video surveillance, basically, doing this piece, and um, just watching me do the chains and hang them. Yeah. Um,
1: it yeah. was kind of around the same era that Marina Abramovic was doing her work, right? Where she would be in a gallery, just... Twenty four seven, and people would go and sit with her and oh, yeah, visit yeah, with yeah, her. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was, that it was around thing. that time too.
2: Yeah, and I don't know this. This kind of just I do. I like to try to find ways that, to communicate through the work of traditional, because I don't think a lot of people really realize that the fiber work or the old ways of doing it, it wasn't just about making something. There's a story and a spirituality to it, mm-hmm. and and there's a way that we could tell stories with it, because that's the only way they were. A lot of women were really able to tell their stories. Yeah was through, um, and they would sit around with other women and do, you know, and this is back in the day where wives were, you know, like, it's just yeah. a different era. Like women were
1: just inside and working at the, domestically right, right. and all the
2: work he did was small. But, but they inside. were also, like, the spiritual centers of their homes, and, and well, at least in my culture yeah. they were, you know, and so mm-hmm. there was always something about, uh, communication with, with these forms of art, so I tried to do that in the Chains piece or even with my dolls, I'm trying to use, traditional fiber art in a way to uh, talk about things. Mm-hmm. You know?
1: I mean, that Chains piece, that's amazing. There's not, I think there's not a ton of conceptual political art going on in Savannah, which is, you know, really cool that you did that I and mean, it was a, like a mashup of fibers and performance art and it's not something you see around town yeah. a lot. I think that's yeah. amazing that you did that.
0: Well, and you did another piece
2: that was um, also political, and um, the 1500 hearts yeah. piece. Right. and that, that, that one I yeah. actually sourced a lot of artists I had artists from all over the world contribute to that piece Mm -hmm. um and that was another thing because I was I really wanted to talk about the atrocities that happen in our own country you know like things uh things are not great (laughs) you know if you're if you're a person of color or if you know you're not you know a certain way then things are not great for other people so I try to I like that, I think of my work as well. What were you making in that piece? So I made a heart for every, so this was during the time that I think the news story was 1,500 children were missing from the ice camps. Okay. Like, where do 1,500 children go? Yeah, how do you just lose that that many children? Well, you know, I'm telling you, there's mass graves in Ireland, in Canada, in our country of children, Mm -hmm. you know, And, and it's just something that's, I don't think people realize it's still like happening now. So that's why I really wanted to do that piece, um, because it's just awful and it shouldn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Where do you have that piece now? Is it? It's in my attic. And it's, okay. it's in a it's packed up in the attic. Yeah, I always pack up my pieces in case they want to be shown in the future or mm-hmm. something. So I try to like make sure that they're all packed nice. With yeah. Yeah. No oxygen in them. And, right. You know, and try to keep them nice. I mean, um, both
1: of these, they sound like something that should. Be they should have a national tour and they should go on the road and be That'd all over be the amazing, place, you know. Yeah. Do that. yeah, yeah. yeah. You, sh- you should be like the bodies exhibits and just have uh, you know pop ups in every city.
2: And I, yeah, and I did another piece on sexual assault too, with, and with photography and crochet. Like, I, I really like the idea of, of using these traditional art to talk about stuff. Like, yeah. I just think it's an important thing. What kind of response have you gotten from people about? Um, I've gotten pretty good responses. I, you know, it's it's. I've always felt like I've been doing things that are just a little too off. I, I don't know. I mean, they get good response, but I'm not doing anything I do for a response. I'm just like, this is just how I am. Yeah. Right? So, well, and like, I think, too, it's, um, it, I think today people look at, like,
0: knitting and crocheting as kind of, like, crafty things that their grandmother does, right. and they don't expect it to have... message behind it like it's lost that
2: and right and I I think there's I think I mean just think of like our family members in the 60s like I think about my grandmother and and how awful her life had been because of the patriarchy Mm -hmm. you know and discounting these women's traditional arts is insane to me because this is like this is magical and and not not magical, but like spiritual. It's like deeply yeah. spiritual. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's so important. It's very
1: subversive to use this kind of traditionally female like right. craft, quote right. unquote. Yeah. You know, and then, then the whole thing of like craft versus art, and the, the things that women usually made were called crafts. Right. And
2: like yeah. art history, give me a break. You know, come on. The only women <laughs> in art history are there because they were sleeping with another artist. Yeah. You right. know, right. I yeah. mean it's really it's really been detrimental. I think to humanity as a whole, I think we're all victimized by that kind of thing. you know well, and I've also
0: um have met people in um, like at art schools in the art world and stuff that look at this kind of thing as like, not artistic as utilitarian. And it's like, well, you could say the same thing about pottery. Pottery is utilitarian, mm-hmm. but
2: you, but that yeah. is elevated. To I just go- think, I just think the whole question of like what is art has really been just a gatekeeping mm-hmm. situation for you yeah. know people like me or people that do traditional or ethnic art. You know, at, at any time, I know one of the things I've, I've done in the past is when people say, you know, what do you think is art or what's not, and I will like just. No, that that interview is like just not all I want you know like just kind of like what like, and I try to think of something like really ridiculous to yes. say just to throw it on, you out know. Mind up. Like, what do I think is art? well you know like uh, kids finger paintings the best art you'll ever see it's true Okay, it's pure the freest art yes. uh, that's all I want it's kids finger paintings you know in fact I'm going to open a school just for finger painting that's like... I like it
1: do you, do, you do, do any work with children with,
2: uh, with the I have know don't work not, okay? not necessarily the needle work because it's really t- I do one-on-one lessons for the needle work because okay. it, it really is you really got to tailor the lesson to the person and how if they're left-handed or right-handed you know how their mind thinks uh, crochets a lot of math. So it's really. Oh, you
1: wouldn't think that.
2: Yeah, so. it's all math. So uh, yeah, all of the all of our old grandmothers were mathematicians. It's true. <laughs>
0: I mean, just the <laughs> ability really to understand gauge and how things are gonna come out and to make and, and to make shapes. Yeah, yeah. You know, to know when to increase or decrease to make. Yeah, yes. Yeah, I mean, I'm I because I come at this from a from someone who does knit, like, I'm amazed at your ability to create things, because I am strictly, I have to have a pattern, and I yeah. like, I cannot come up with things and, and um, design them, like, well, that's I think, not I my think, strength.
2: I think it comes from, um, and the same way I've really approached everything, music included, or this included is because it was just so in my hand so early, mm-hmm. and nobody else knew how to read music, but they all played instruments, right? You know, and right. we all played yeah. instruments, but none of us can tell you what a G is. Like we I mean, you yeah, know. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> so it's same, right? And I think it kind of was the same with this. Like we didn't really follow patterns. It's like this is how you make a sweater this is how you make slippers, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah. it was just taught to us that way. Did yeah. you end up,
1: now I know that on Etsy it's big, a lot of people sell things they make and also sell patterns, do
2: you do that? I have anymore? sold, yeah, I have done, I've designed mm-hmm. patterns for different um, people. Um, I've done commissions to design patterns for different things. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily work in a pattern format, so for me to write a pattern, that's actually like a homework. Like yeah. I'm in school, you know. So with each of your dolls, you're
1: just—it's—it's it's like you're, they're very yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, and I can—I have a, the way that my brain thinks. Have, I'm very spatial and thinking, so I can see this pattern of this doll, and I can see it in my mind from all the different angles, and I can count it. But to write that on paper and translate it is like really tedious. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: That's interesting. How do you? So you have a lot of different sort of designs of dolls. You have like monsters, right? And you have. These right. women and you have Mermaids and leprechauns and things. I have all have kinds you... of things. Yeah.
2: yeah. Well, I can I brought these because I've been working in artificial intelligence. Which okay. Is super cool. Yeah. Which it, and it's very <laughs> weird. Wave of the future. <laughs> the wave of the future. Well, so I'll tell you how I how I got involved in it was um, first of all insomnia and Reddit. I blamed Oh. <laughs> uh, because I would go on Reddit and just look at people's AI work that they were doing, and I just thought it was like, well, what, what if I could design a doll? using artificial intelligence. I wonder what that would look like. Mm-hmm. And so I actually brought pictures, but these are some of my dolls that I created. Okay, and what with, program do you use this for was, this? These ones I used Crayon um, for. And so I started doing that. I designed about 20 dolls mm-hmm. based on AI images. And then uh, o- OpenAI that has Dolly, which is the, I guess the best and biggest generator right now, mm-hmm. um, had posted the, a picture of Amigurumi earth. So it was a crocheted earth. So I crocheted it, and I sent them a picture, and then um, I was onboarded into their program, oh. the artist program. So you sort of re- you reached out to them. With your I did. I was just edit. like this. Look, you know, I can, you know, crochet it. And I thought about, and I I mentioned to them that it was interesting how, you know, maybe this can design patterns mm-hmm. because it's so clear in the stitches. Like I could count them. Mm-hmm. And if you could do that with crochet, you could do that with 3D printing because it's mm-hmm. the same concept. Um, and they were like, oh guess what? We are giving you access and your artist onboarding program Hello. and whatever. So, so so for people that have no idea how the the AI
0: of this works, like so what do you, what do you do in terms of designing a doll? Like how, how does this come across? Like how do you do it?
2: Well, I started designing a dolls and th- and I did that for a while. And I kind of moved past that where I think the images you probably see on my current stuff are more fleshed out dolls. They're not really like this. Mm-hmm. And, and so now I'm doing, I decided that my project for being on the artist onboarding program was going to be writing a book okay. because I could use the images in a book. And I, and I wanted to do this traditional storytelling element mm-hmm. with very traditional aesthetic like driving a horse and buggy down a freeway. Okay, because <laughs> I'm trying to tell AI like be like a grandma, you know. <laughs> give me grandma images, you know. Uh, but no, but I, I use I use specific um, text like Irish folk art, um, you know, just just different ways to make it to get. And AI is not as smart as I. Th- so you give it a prompt like a I phrase it, like yeah, that, it's and, a then text it prompt, and it generates. Right? And then you just take that and alter it depending on how good that image kind was. of you can alter it but there's a lot of uncanny valley things that happen so you kind of have to like ask for the thing and it has to come up with the right and it has to point. come and there's some some images that take me um 900 variations wow. or asking it yeah you have to find the correct way to word
0: it that is yeah and that,
2: well, then i'll find one viable image maybe from oh 900 God. sometimes, you know, and sometimes I get lucky. You're like a like you're scientist. Yeah. Yeah. Picture, yeah. Do you have, like,
0: books and books where you're writing
2: Didn't down you? and making lists
0: and taking
1: notes on things? Yeah,
0: And a thesaurus yeah. out there. Right. like, what word can I <laughs> Exactly,
1: use? yeah. I picture you, like, Dr. Jekyll <laughs> sitting
2: in a lab <laughs> with a million different lists. I'm like, cackling. Like, <laughs> this monster came out. Yeah. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah, because I just, I really felt like... I'm terrified of AI, I think, like a lot of people are, and and what that means for the creative process, but I also understand that artists were also terrified of the camera and of artists not making their own paints anymore, Mm -hmm. and so it's kind of of like this thing, but I think the thing I'm terrified more of is this oral storytelling tradition that's already really lost, being lost even more in the shuffle of technology and art, Mm -hmm. and how that meets, and how important oral and storytelling traditions are to ethnic indigenous people across the whole world and and what does technology mean for that you know yes. because it's such a human way it's such a very human art form of storytelling yeah
1: so you're like, you're like an early adopter of this technology, almost like you want to make sure that it's going to keep this traditional aspect, right. like the storytelling aspect. Well, so right. on one yeah. hand, you
0: would, like because I'm sitting here, I'm like, well, I mean, I feel like technology would make it easier to preserve some of these stories, but it also loses... The human part of right. it, which is the, the warmest, the essence in. of it. Like yeah. the, hand, the handedness of it. Yeah. Yeah. I right. like the that
2: you're,
1: you're going to end up making a book of it,
2: too. Yeah, I'm going to do a book, and and so I, I write, I always have been a writer, so storytelling isn't just about telling or retelling a story. It's about, like, how you view life, too. Mm-hmm. So I, I do a lot of fun things, like when I'm putting dishes away, I pretend I'm feeding really hungry cabinets and drawers. <laughs> <you know? laughs> and like, I just and my daughter's oh, poor, my poor daughter. <laughs> she put something in the Drawer and I open. I go, thank you very much. You know, and she's like, Mom, please, can you stop it? You know, God, yeah. mortified. She's like, too much. Yeah, <laughs> but it's just the way I encounter everything. And I remember my grandmother putting pillows on the bed after she made the bed and she couldn't stand the pillow opening to be towards her face mm-hmm. because it was yeah. like the pillow's butt was in her face. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's hilarious. So I get this kind of thing and she was a storyteller. She, so I think the storytelling I, that people don't really understand is you, when you have that, you have a mentality to think yeah. of things differently. You I know? think no. this
1: aspect that you have where you're like, you're giving like personalities and thoughts and feelings and personalities to inanimate objects which really seems to lend itself well to these dolls that you're making where they're like weird funky shapes with you know bumps on them and then for you it's a figure and it's a character. Yeah, but they
0: all have personalities. Like I mean like you look at them and yeah like Look at this one! I'm, yeah, I mean,
3: come on! <laughs> Look at those eyes, yeah.
0: <laughs> listeners.
1: <laughs> we're looking at a creature with amazing big bug eyes, <laughs>
2: yeah. and they're all yeah. bloodshot. And he's yes. got these sharp teeth. He's yeah. little. He, that's one. That one we keep in here because he's a wild guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. They have definite personalities, though. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so, and I'm working with Leslie Lovell on the book. Oh, she is, okay. like, helping me so much because I, I'm very good at being creative, very good at that, but there's not really much She's else I can. She's you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> She's hurting the cats. Yeah, she is. She's like, <laughs> oh, thank, you know, just thank the universe every day. Yeah, so we're working on that together, and um, so, yeah, I'm just trying to e- explore AI. What is it? A whole new world, yeah. yeah. What's it I about? That's yeah. very cool.
1: Well, we're going we're gonna to take a moment and do some station announcements, and we'll be back. We're with Becca Cook.
0: listening to wruulp savannah georgia 107.5 fm we are savannah soundings
4: community radio with a global soul trees are one of chatham county's most treasured natural resources beyond their beauty and cultural significance the impact of trees are far-reaching and compounding spanning from economic benefits to health improvements to climate change resilience Trees are woven into every aspect of our lives. Savannah Tree Foundation protects and grows Chatham County's urban forest through tree planting, community engagement, and advocacy. More information is available at savannahtree.org. This portion of WRUU's programming is brought to you by listeners and by Brighter Day Natural Foods. Brighter Day Natural Foods has been serving Savannah's healthy food and supplement needs since 1978. It is located at the corner of Bull Street and Park Avenue. They have online ordering and curbside delivery available. And now a walk-up window for smoothies, juices, and sandwiches from the deli. They are open from 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. Monday through Saturday and 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. on Sunday. More information can be found at brighterdayfoods.com.
0: What does it mean when we say that WRUU is a community radio station? It doesn't just mean that we invite the community to create programming. And it doesn't just mean that we're a voice for the community. It also means that we're counting on the community to keep us going. And you are the community. Almost all of our modest budget comes from small annual or monthly donations from listeners like you. You get to enjoy our community focused programming because many others have stepped forward to do their part. Now. Do your part by joining our community of listener donors. Go to wruu.org right now and make a one-time or monthly donation. And thank you for supporting Savannah's Community Radio Station, 107.5 F.
1: Hey everyone, welcome back. You're listening to Arts on the Air with Tamara and Melissa, and we are interviewing Becca Cook today. Who is a folk artist from the local islands, and she does a lot of needlework and doll crafting and performance art. Um, before the break, we were talking about a book that she's doing with AI-generated images. You wanna? Would you like to tell us about the uh, the story? Right. does yeah. it tell?
2: Well, it kind of started with I, I, I posted some examples just to see what the what people would think of it. But um, I, I did a list of things to do which are like my daily observations and kind of little, and they're, they're short, they're one to two sentences long. Okay. But they're just little observations that you can make into storytelling. And, cool. and also That's the images, the images are really kind of an Irish folk art aesthetic. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, this is one, this is walk barefoot in the grass and imagine roots coming out of your feet and growing down into the ground. Um, yeah, the book is really something where I'm trying to show small ways that we can use the our mind to transform our entire world to yeah. make it a better thing the book know? it's almost like a children's book for adults it's it really just is like, for a physical, yeah yeah it really is and I think anybody I don't I say a children's book but I really just think it's going to be a book for anybody yeah um, it's just a and it's just the storytelling traditional aspect that I grew up with but using it, like you said, I, I, I kind of modernize a lot of the stuff that yeah. I have. Mm-hmm. You touched on, Maybe you it. mentioned a minute ago, and I, I wanted to talk to you about this. I know you
1: do a lot of imagery of, like, mermaids, and you mentioned that things have this very Irish feel to them, like there's pirates and there's the sea. And I saw on your website that you were involved with, I went to see this Saw the Wheel puppet show production a year or so ago, and it's at Melissa in my neighborhood. There's this shop called Cosmic Corner mm-hmm. that I... Affinitively referred to as the witch shop And yeah, it's just like it totally a cute is. place to go and get Sage and crystals and fun things But they had like a puppet show in the backyard one day cool. That was this amazing
2: So you were involved, can you tell us about that? Yeah, Saw the Wheel Theater is like These are my, this is just a group of people We get together and we really want to create An atmosphere of community And creativity Where anybody can get involved We've, I remember having, um, There's a little girl That came up and says, "We, I want to be in your puppet show I'm like, well guess what you're in it right now. We're making you a prop. You know, it's just this like we like to do variety shows, inviting people in the community, and it's really headed by Ioli um, Malali, who's a great artist in Savannah, and um, yeah, we team up. I'm a really good engineer, so I build a lot of the props.
1: Yeah, That's it was cool. yeah, it was like a it was like a cart, like what you, you imagine in movies, if somebody like rumbling through the woods with their cart that pops up and then, oh, and then you have a place to do a puppet show and everything was painted and it was really was Yeah, really there's awesome. a, there's I love a, puppet shows. Yeah, so. there's, a,
2: there's a pickup truck. So during COVID, Emily got, or eoli Bilali got a pickup truck and built a cranky in it that pops up. And it's like this pop-up puppet show that we could take anywhere. Oh, that's so during, fun. And during COVID, we were able to do a lot, you know, outdoor yeah. events. With yeah. Yeah.
1: So, did you make a lot of the dolls, or did the painting on the backdrops, that kind
2: of thing? Yeah, I do painting on the backdrops. Right now, I'm actually building a um, puppet where a seed opens and roots come out, and then a flower blooms. Wow. So Ooh. it's a lot of moving parts. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I do. I make puppets and. And what uh, kind basically. of materials are you using for the puppets that you're making? Uh, well, so the flower puppet is a big wooden frame, mm-hmm. and it's got holes drilled in it where right, where there's moving dowel rods moving things around. Yeah. Um, and then the flower is going to be made out of felt, okay. probably, and yeah. ha- have strings tied to it so it will bloom. You know. Oh. And how big is it? How tall? Um, it's probably going to be a little short, about almost as tall as me, maybe a little short. Okay. It's so about five foot tall yeah. puppet.
1: I've I done, feel like, like you could be like a like a children's party entertainer. I would, mean, <laughs> well, you know. I am every day.
2: I mean, I just, <laughs> just by myself with my cat. <laughs>
1: You're like a you're like a mad I just you're like a mad scientist with like felt everywhere and like and lots I used of to, eyeballs. You have a thing for like big I do. Well, you know, I'm blind,
2: I'm blind in one eye Are you? from birth, and so there's a lot of eyeballs in my work. I always joke and say I traded one eye for a magic brain somehow. Yeah. It seems like a fair trade off, I think. You know, I was gonna.
1: That's so funny you say that because you have a lot of monsters and in your earrings where it's one single eye, is, and I yeah. wanted to ask you what's the significance of the one eye. But that's yeah, the one
2: eye. I guess it's just like because a lot of my work is also about myself and how I'm feeling or how I experience the world. That's so really cool. There's gonna be a lot of like weird and and also being a creative person I think you have just a different perception anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So perception's yeah. like something I'm constantly questioning. Like am I okay, am I crazy? Or am I a genius? <laughs> or what is happening? A
3: little from each yeah. column. That's
2: fine.
0: Put no. I mean, together. But know,
2: you know, I do think about that a lot. I think about
1: yeah. perception a lot. You know. How do you? So if you are blind in one eye, how does that work for you when you, you do a lot of
2: three um, D like three D building? Yes. It
1: influences your spatial now. How does that? I
2: have no idea. You? I've always been blind in my left eye side. I've never seen and I've never seen past two dimensions in my entire life. Visually, oh. but inside of my head, I can visualize three D. When I'm making these dolls, yeah, yeah. it's like a, it's like kind of like I can move around it even. Yeah, like, I don't know how to explain it. It's really is interesting. that just they had no reason for it? You just were randomly born. Yeah, well, I have wow. optic nerve dysplasia, okay. which means, and then also I have synesthesia, which they think is kind of connected because the nerves in my head kind of just wanted to do what they wanted. To do. Can you explain <laughs> the, the synesthesia? Synesthesia is when some senses blend. Okay. One of the ones that's very predominant in my work is how you can give personalities to just normal everyday things. That's a form of synesthesia because I I understand that the chair I'm sitting in is got a personality to me. You know, like everything has a personality. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a form of that. And also I have um, where I can I can whenever I hear things I can visualize it in a color and a feeling. So like music. Or the doorbell is yeah. hot pink. Yeah, yeah. You know, like <laughs> it's interesting.
1: Like your auditory sense is connected. Up yeah, it's connected into my visual, visual and feeling. I wanted to ask you, you had one particular um, an exhibition you mentioned on your website called Scarf in the Park. or Park. <laughs> yeah, I was what like,
2: was
0: that? I need, what is this?
2: Just the name of <laughs> okay, it sounds so, wild. <laughs> so I made a 40 foot scarf. It's 40 feet long, and it's like an old fashioned striped. It's navy blue and green and we take it and we just like take it on vacation. we took it to Miami to our Basel. Oh, okay. it, got, it, got, it got it actually got confiscated and put in the coat check, which is jail for scarves oh my so it's like so it's like the travelosti it is yeah and we take it around and, and you can really fit a group of people in it of course it's pre-covid yeah. and we would like take pictures of people of with the scarf and it's just like this hilarious thing oh, to take a, around how many people can the scarf drape over in a line well 40 feet so you i mean if people are standing really close like 20 but yeah yeah you i'm know, just i'm just can,
0: sitting here thinking like i've knitted scarves before and 40 foot of scarf That's a long (laughs) time. (laughs)
1: Scarf has
2: its own Facebook page. Does it? How do we find the Scarf? So, Facebook, if you look up Scarf the Scarf. (laughs) (laughs) Innovative (laughs) work here, okay? I I love
1: (laughs) it. We just last week we interviewed a gentleman who did. Three wraps around uh, yeah, trees. Yeah, so, yeah. It's a, yeah. It's
0: it was Gary. Jerry. Jerry, Jerry. Yeah, Jerry, yeah. yeah. so I'm loving
2: this idea of just taking things out into nature and draping them around. Yeah, the right. Foliage. And we did, like, um, before the Great Dane dog was gone, we did the, around the Great Dane. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we just kind of, we took it on trips everywhere. It's about time to, to break it out again because I usually yeah. break it out around fall. Pumpkin yeah. spice season is the time when Scarf, There's scarf, a scarf comes right. back alive. Yeah, yeah it's get, really get hard out Scarf and you get some Uggs and go. <laughs> oh my I had a friend,
1: I, I studied abroad in London for a bit when I was young and um I had a friend who was doing fibers, and she did a project where she knitted, I don't think it was quite 40 feet, but it was a very long scarf, and she took it out on the tube on the subway and sat there and draped it across many, many, many seats around her, kind of like taking up the seats where people couldn't sit, and then she Uh, had another person go there and could film her and photograph her, and her whole deal was to see whether people were too polite to ask her to just, uh, like, move move her scarf off the seat so they could sit down. That's interesting. Everyone was too polite, so she would be on a... Subway train and the, the scarf would just. She would still be knitting at it, and the scarf would just be I wonder how that suits. would
2: translate in different countries, because I yeah. think France
1: would be very different. And this, yeah, was <laughs> I th- I
0: th- yeah, I think, <laughs> I think that would be an interesting yeah. experiment.
1: And this was like two thousand. The year was like two thousand, so yeah. things are people are really different now. And yeah, the, they yeah really it was like a really are, yeah. funny project. Huh. <laughs> that is fun. Yeah. Um, let's see. Could you talk to us a little bit about? I know one of your uh, monsters that you do is leprechauns. Yes. Do you break those out in particular in Savannah and St.
2: Patrick? Like, can I you find do. those yeah, St. Like Patrick's do. Day? I do. Yeah, actually, I do. I made them this year for St. Patrick's Day, and I don't think this pattern's fairly new. And um, it's and very rustic, and looking Well, he, well uh, he's he was made out of all my leftover yarn from various mm-hmm. projects, which mm-hmm. makes him even more magical. Oh yeah. But um, like. so I tie the different lengths of string that I have left over, and and create this like scrappy. Looking yarn with yeah. the ends frayed There's out, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, so, Because I think leprechauns are kind of mischievous Maybe, creatures, yeah. you know. And oh yeah, um, yeah. So he has a necklace. What is? Are, yeah, he yeah. Has a, he's got a clover necklace. Uh-huh.
0: Yeah. I like that his hair and beard are uh, wavy. That's uh,
2: yeah. It's like traditional.
1: Well, it looks like my hair. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, do you ever like force St. Patrick's? Weekend? Do you ever? I feel like you could take your cart out amongst the streets. I like, uh, sh- city this wild, of Savannah like, has
2: got a lot of red tape for doing things God, like that, and it's I mean, really difficult. It seems like you
1: would be such a you'd be such a draw. I know, but they it.
2: but so I, I mean I do stuff like that sometimes, but um, yeah, it's hard to do with the city. You're not supposed to have your art on a table; you have to sit on the ground with it. Like, really weird oh. things. Yeah, Unless, they have, if you get they have city really weird rules for it's, all kinds of things. Because they
1: have those guys, I mean, at the parade, they have those guys going around the carts with the terrible, tacky St. Patrick's crowd. Yeah, so, like
0: they're allowed yeah. to do that I mean yeah. there's like a tax that you have to pay to the city to have a chalkboard sign outside of your business it's really uh, yeah. And, yeah like anything on the sidewalk has to you I pay think, a tax it's, it's just, really interesting
2: it's really a lot of red tape to be an artist in Savannah I think um, and so you know I do things but I, I'm not going to talk about them plausible <laughs> <Flossable laughs> deniability <laughs> I plead the fifth uh, you know so I do things and I, in fact I, I thought it was so funny because I was on the cover of connect for st patrick's day as the queen of st patrick's day which is is hilariously uh, a bad joke <laughs> you are ironically the ironically the queen because <laughs> i come from a culture that's really there's only like thirty thousand i think in the last census in ireland there yeah like it's an indigenous culture there and what is there's that there's a lot of they're called minkair okay um And they're nomadic. And um, if you look up Irish Traveler, you can read a lot about some of the... They're still there. I mean, they're still existing. Um, But yeah, but Catholicism really had a negative effect. I guess you know in the culture and so being the queen of St. Patrick's Day on the cover as an indigenous <laughs> with my crazy hair and indigenous look was to me just like this his, like, like funny thing and yeah. I sent it to my grandma like look at this <laughs> like the height of irony right yeah. now
1: right so it's like the people who put you on the cover did not realize we're, in the, we're in the
2: most Irish city in the south and yeah. nobody really knows about I think a lot of the traveler history or know who that is and I think yeah. there's a lot of people here that maybe even come from that kind of line and don't know because when people got here it was um, you know kind of like we can't be that way anymore. Yeah. We're in the American dream really kind of wiped the erasure of the American dream I guess on that culture. Yeah, it it's intense. like that
0: whole um, like idea of really assimilating into what the American culture was, right. and I think lots of lots of people lost lots yes. of aspects of their culture. Right, yeah, it,
2: it really, there's a lot of racial, and then we're white, very white-presenting, so mm-hmm. you, can, you could just right. you know, change some of our spellings of our names, right. maybe, and blend in, you know, there was that kind of thing happening, I think, in my family. And it's funny,
1: because, um, I mean, the Irish, it, it sort of is a big thing in the U.S., the Irish traditions, and mm-hmm. it's like in this surface way,
2: but yeah, yeah, but and it's a like lot of it is like ca- a lot of the a lot of the traditions are like Catholic propaganda too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, like the fairy stories where they take your children—that's <laughs> all. That's all like propaganda against the indigenous people. You know, <laughs> we don't want to steal your children. Like, no, you, you we can keep have enough. <laughs> yeah, We don't need yours. We have enough. <laughs> do you ever think, do, would you ever do, like in the future, do you think you would do a book that's sort of about your indigenous culture? You know, I thought about that, and I, I will say I, I can see that happening. In fact, all of this art that I do has the underlying current of it all is how I could heal generational trauma, erasure, the internal racism and shame and things that I was raised in, you know, because you're kind of raised in this situation, and, and to explore outside of that really has been my artistic process my entire life. So I can definitely see that happening in the future. I don't know if I'm ready yeah. now though. For that, I think there's still some things to work through for my, for me. Well, it's good. I think. I'm I mean, we're
1: living in the right time for this. At least now, this is a real dialogue in the yeah. country in general. So, mm-hmm. yeah. It, it gets, like if you tried this 20 years ago, then no.
2: I mean, even even ahead? since the passing of the Queen this week, there's been a big conversation about I think Irish people That's true. and you know the atrocities that happened there with colonialism yeah. um, that happened in the 1615 1600s. You know, and then on. Forward. I know some family members moved here in the '50s and '60s because of anti-traveler legislation that was happening at that time. Um, kind of similar to the city of Savannah, not a lot. I can't just take a car that, You know, like, they make it very difficult for people like that have this background. So, and everywhere, I think. So.
1: Can you tell us a little bit about um, what's your what's next for you? What are your next projects and where we could see you around um,
2: town? Yeah, so, so my next projects I'm excited about, um, I've been pranking out dolls my for a <laughs> long time. And my, my wrist and arms and stuff, you know, I'm getting old. I just turned 40. Getting just a little older, I'm starting to feel the effects of just the constant work. Oh. So I'm kind of switching gears, listening to my body and, and going more into the storytelling mm-hmm. element. So and, and, of course, performance is, like, my thing. So I'm excited about, I want to read books to people and read books to children about these ideas and, like, kind of these traditions. And um, I think that's, I would like to do some book fairs and go around and dress up and just read oh. and have fun, you know? Like, <laughs> let's do it. So I think that's kind of, I'm kind of steering more towards the storytelling element, which dolls will always yeah. be happening.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But, you know, I'm, I kind of want to switch gears to a, better future for my wrist and elbows. <laughs> that's fantastic, yeah. <laughs> makes sense. I, yeah, that's yeah. something to, to aim towards. I hear that we make ceramics, too. But
1: yeah.
0: yeah. Really
2: that's a lot. Yeah, it yeah. does catch up with you. Okay,
1: okay well, we have a couple questions we always ask, so here we're <laughs> going to turn into James Lipton. Yep. Okay, 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 okay. So, if you, say you were walking around town, and you're, like, to jazz yourself up, um, do you have a certain song, maybe, that plays in your head
2: that's your oh. exciting song? Hmm. Or if you're getting ready to go out or anything? I'm getting ready to go out. I guess there's a few. <laughs> 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 These are hard questions. <laughs> yeah. That's the song. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I kind of like um, high energy there was an artist I just recently learned about that I'm really enjoying. Her name is uh, Lido, and I wish I could tell you her last name. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but just like, I love high energy music and I really like um, Latin music a lot. Like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's really so good. Yeah. Like it makes my, I'm ready to go out after I listen to some like even old school, like Celia Cruz. Mm-hmm. Give me that. Okay. <laughs> I'm ready. All right, so, great, yeah. Yeah. I'll look this up.
0: Um, who has been most influential on your work?
2: I would say my ancestors, yep. period. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, this is an ancestral thing. Um, I would say, I, I wrote one of the things in my, my stories that I've written is sometimes I feel like I'm a hotel for my ancestors
4: and (laughs)
2: they open and they and they open the windows and whisper to me sometimes when I'm sleeping that could be the name of your
1: autobiography
2: (laughs) right a hotel for my ancestors ancestors. yeah Yeah, this is the Ritz-Carlton baby (laughs) (laughs) no but I feel that like I feel I think I think the line of women that have been horribly suppressed and mistreated um but they were resilient anyway, uh-huh. and they kept making the work anyway, even though it's domestic craft and it was gate kept, and they did it anyway. Yeah. They knew the importance and they passed it down anyway. So they're heroes to me. It's cool. And then here you are with this new AI right. technology. It's yeah. Really wild. yeah. And now yeah. I'm like taking it to the computer, <laughs> which is, is I had to actually ask somebody how to turn a computer on once in my life.
0: You know. It's
2: like way. I mean. I'm getting there. You know. I'm, I'm working towards it. Yeah. But so yeah, definitely. Um, my ancestors okay Good.
1: well i wanted to ask if you weren't spending your time doing what you're doing which sounds
2: like 18 different things right what is another <laughs>
1: career field you might like to try
2: um you know what i, I think art therapy mm-hmm. i could see me doing something in psychology or art therapy and trauma healing specifically just because yeah. of my own um, voyage and adventure through you know trauma healing and i think i would have a lot to offer in that area maybe art therapy. And then as the, the bookshop owner and me always ask,
0: what what book has spoken to you the most in your life?
2: Um, oh there's so many. Because I <laughs> love books. I have piles of books. Um you know there's a book that I read when I was a kid growing up, and it just always is there. Mm-hmm. And it's called Island of the Blue, Blue Dolphins. Oh, I love that book. By Scott O'Dell. Yeah. And it's about this woman that's <laughs> on this island, and she's an indigenous person and all her family are gone, like, they, they, what was it, a shipwreck took them all out, she was the last one, and just her ex- her resilience, and, and being able to survive by herself, and, like, get over the traditions of women can't hunt, mm-hmm. and she had to, like, face these things to be able to, to survive, That that book really just sticks out in my mind, yeah. so I, I like would say book. that one, and then Shel Silverstein, oh, yeah. with oh, his yeah. irreverent <laughs> child stories. <laughs> I love all yeah. those, and also it makes sense, the, the Little the personality. Prince, yeah, yeah. the and little, little Prince, prince. Yeah. yeah. Little Prince is just like my soul. Yeah, <laughs> like those are <laughs> all my soul. Yeah. All great choices.
1: I love this. Fantastic. Well, Becky, this has been such a pleasure. Yeah, it's yes. been so fun. Learned
2: Thank so much you. about
1: you. It's Thank been fascinating. You. Thank yeah. you. I appreciate it. Mini interview. Hi, this is Tamara Garvey, and I came to City Market to interview an artist named Rem. I'm at her REM Mark Immersive Gallery. I'll post the Facebook link to it in our liner notes. And her space that she's created provides individualized and small group creative UV experiences.
3: So when you come in, typically the experience is that the lights are on. Okay. And then um, we try to um, give you these flashlights so that you can explore on your own for a little bit of time. So you just kind of be like looking at it with a flashlight, like said. And then we remove, um, we introduce the UV light, so you can see it with the white light and the UV, and then we remove the white light, and what remains is just the UV art. So uh, when children come, there's many multiple options. We do cater to two specific groups, three technically, one behind the scenes, but two two, uh, specific groups, one... Is the Girl Scouts. Okay. So uh, when they come in their small groups, they make a reservation and they come in and they're able to select purses and headscarves and pins and badges and you name it. Paint it in the glow. Uh, And then there's also this build a book option. And the build a book option is really just a one of a kind unique thing that I developed based on what I thought would have helped me process trauma as a kid. So, they are the conventional activities of word search and yeah. mo- and, and uh, Scrabble and all those types of things. This is like an elementary school teacher's dream. It right is, here. right? It's, and yeah. actually, teachers get on board the project and then they receive new pages every month. So, the idea is the kids come, they assemble, they print and punch. There's a little station over there. Yeah. They can scan through all of the pages, print and punch the pages that they like. They also get the coloring a dream. Uh, Adventures of Mossland, starring Captain Moss and Booming the Miracle Monkey, and then they add these activities to it. The yeah. difference with these activities is that they are geared to help express trauma.
1: Yeah, and that the idea that they're choosing what they want to do. They I'm get sure to make those choices. They haven't had a lot of choices. And the
3: biggest and... part about those choices is that because the book is sewn together, when they are ready to share a specific page that might have some personal information or something very sensitive on it, they can share it with a social worker, or counselor. They can share it with a teacher, a parent, whoever they feel safe with and not have to give everything. Just remove the one page. This is really
1: mind-blowing. It is. How did you... Did it take you a long time to come up with
3: all these different aspects? So in 2008 is when I was last here. It was my first giving gallery. I did it in my house with my young children. Okay. And so I had... This idea that I would do a huge event to raise awareness for uh, displaced and fostered youth, but also to memorialize my sister's passing. So I pushed an 825 pound wagon, 250 miles from Savannah to Atlanta. You didn't bargain for all this, no. did you? Okay, sorry. <laughs> no, it's great. You guys. Okay, I, I just want to
1: pause. I can't yes. even express to you all listening to this. It's an you know it's an auditory show. You have to come here and see this. This is amazing. You're yeah. walking through. It's like a little hidden cave, and it's <laughs> it's almost like going to a haunted house. But it's Daglo, but it's childlike, and there's tool everywhere, and yes. there's a screen with jellyfish, and I you mean, can this
3: paint is with all the supplies that are in here. You can use to create. Whatever your heart's desires. I mean, this desires. is for everybody's childlike spirit. Yes, you Yes, know, absolutely. People talk it's,
1: about getting in touch with your inner child, and
3: a absolutely. lot of people. Have so, if you are an adult, yeah. these are all applicable. the The activities are age appropriate, so you can yeah. select the ones that are as complicated as you like or as simple as you like. Um, so, while I was on that event, I literally thought to myself. I have to do more than this. Like raising awareness is one thing, but I actually need to do something that creates a responsive pattern, something that gets people active and proactive about this cause all the time. But my adopted dad used to always because I'm adopted. Mm -hmm. And so my adopted dad used to always have this saying, he said, uh, when you want the dog to take the garlic pill to get rid of the fleas. You have to coat it in butter. Yes. So this became my visual motto while I was pushing this wagon. And I said, when I get back, I'm going to write this story for kids about foster and adoption based on all these swamplands and how similar it is to the system and the process we have to go through when we're in foster care and when we're experiencing displacement. And so I said, beyond that, there needs to be a safe, creative zone. So I created the Craftivity Zone. Yeah, the this space is- where you could come, feel like like you're. In the dream, yeah, and, and we're, cut up, we're
1: just in this space. You yes, can't, there's not like, and we're not. To, we
3: don't even have the music going yet. So and
1: there's fluorescent <laughs> lighting outside of the space, and you can barely yes. even see it in here. Like you just have your own environment. <laughs> it's now, true. is your adoptive dad still around?
3: He passed some years ago. Oh, I'm sorry. But um, I, he used to be a Chesterton fan, so I repeat so many of the sayings that he had because this is the importance of foster and adoption is to just deposit. Those long-term earworms that invest in the positive side of a person, especially to kind of counteract the toxic experiences and the toxic messages that were delivered through trauma. Mm -hmm. So I carry those things with me all the time. And when I built this space, everything had to mirror some of those things. I kept thinking about the butter.
1: (laughs) Here are some fun artsy events coming up the next week. This Thursday at 6 p.m., there is film screening and discussion of Code of Freaks at Cultural Arts Center. Also on Thursday, 6.15 to 7.15 p.m., there's a FOMO book club at Eshaver. They are discussing The Mermaid of Black Conk by Monique Rafi. Also Thursday at 9.30 p.m., there's Creatively Crafted, an open mic night at Stafford's Public House. It's for poets, singers, rappers, musicians, and spoken word artists. On Friday, 6 to 9 p.m., there's a reception at Laney Contemporary. The artists are Namwan Chua and Hassani Salila. Saturday, 6 to 8.30 p.m., the grand opening of Savannah Jazz History and Hall of Fame exhibit at the Savannah History Museum. Also on Saturday, there's Shindigs at Over Yonder Bar. It's the Texas two-step and line dance lesson from 6 to 7, followed by an open dance floor 7 to 8 p.m. Next Tuesday, 6.15 p.m., there's the Jane Austen Book Club at eShaver, and they're discussing Unmanageable by Sonia Kemal. Also through September 30th, there still is the Mobile Arts Gallery at the WW Law Library. They have an art show called Past Presence commemorating Juneteenth, and there's more info on this on the Sulphur Studio website. Up next on WRU, there's a show called That Old Savannah Magic from 4 to 6 p.m., It's a variety show featuring Savannah history, radio theater, interviews, and music. Thanks. Enjoy.
0: You are listening to WRUULB, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM. We are Savannah Soundings, community radio with a global soul.